So we're in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Um, it can be really awkward <clears throat> when people knew you before you were awesome. Um, Nacho Libre really drives us home strongly. For us, you know, at night he's a, he's a fairly successful luchador out in the town. And then when he comes back uh, to the mission, he's just Nacho, right, who serves the, the soup. And he's borrowing some sweats from Chancho. I just need to borrow some sweats, you know. Um, when you go home, especially like after you've been in college a while and you go back home and see your parents, it can be really awkward because your family forces you to remember who you used to be, like before you got cool and got flannel and, you know, and because uh, they knew you in seventh grade, you know, when you were really trying to figure some stuff out. And uh, that, can, that, can be really, that can be really awkward. And this morning, uh, as we continue to talk about what, what are the kind of people that Jesus wants to make us into, how does he want to make us look like him, I want to talk about faith, um, particularly when I talk about faithfulness. And by faithfulness, I mean that you're able to be the same person in every kind of situation. Um, that you're able to be consistent. And that's a big question for us. Um, some of you guys are just coming into college and you're wondering, how, how can I continue to be the person that I've always been in this new setting? Or how can I stay close? I, you know, I know Jesus. I, I have a relationship with Jesus. How can I stay close to Jesus in college when I'm on my own and I'm presented with all these uh, challenges, temptations, and opportunities? You might be getting ready to graduate and go out into the big, bad adulting world. And uh, you're wondering, like, how do I have the kind of community that I had in college when I'm off in a new place? Um, will I change? Will I be able to stay the same person? What do I do when I have these really strong desires inside of me that are pushing me and they feel so right, and yet I, I feel constrained by God that those things will be harmful for me? When I have doubts, what do I do when my friends don't know God? Um, and no matter who we are this morning, we all want to be consistent with what we say that we believe and who we are. And uh, the book of Deuteronomy is probably obscure for a lot of us, and that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about it. But basically what you have, last night we sang a song called On Jordan's Stormy Banks I Stand. And uh, it's basically a song about when God's people, Israel, were standing at this river, Jordan, and on the other side was the promised land. It was the place that God was going to take them. He brought them out of Egypt from slavery, and he was going to take them to this new, beautiful land. And they're standing on this river, I mean, like, right about to go, and, like, they're on the doorstep. And Moses, their leader, says, stop. I want to remind you of what God has done for you and remind you who God says you need to be when you go into this new place. And most of us are standing at some kind of precipice about to go into some new promised land. Maybe that promised land is CSU or NMSU or the Air Force Academy or Texas Tech. Maybe it's life after that. And um, we need to remember who God is when we go into that new reality, okay? So we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's, I'm going to read the whole chapter. I'm one of those people that gets kind of freaked out about this, like reading two verses and then like preaching it. I want to give some context. So it's a little bit longer, but let it wash over you. They're going into this promised land. And by the way, there was all these people there and they had built all these towns and cultures. And God was driving those people out and Israel was just going to go there and live. And houses they didn't build, uh, vineyards they didn't cultivate and all that. So let's listen. Uh, Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 1. This is the word of God. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. 
And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord. Um, sorry, you should keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Now, this is where we should pay attention. Take care, lest you forget your, the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there is no water, which sounds a lot like New Mexico, southern New Mexico, uh, who brought you out of water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good to you in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. Uh, This is the word of our God. Let's ask his blessing on our time. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for a new day, and we thank you that you intend to do good to us. Um, Lord, we ask that you would help us to see that, that you would dig out our ears, that we could hear, that you would uh, open our eyes, that we would see Jesus, and that, Lord, you would give us hearts to love you and to follow you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Deuteronomy would call what we call faithfulness. Uh, It wouldn't use the word faithfulness. It would use the word remembering. To be faithful to God would be to remember God, and to forget would be unfaithfulness. Uh, faithfulness is not forgetting God. And what I want to look at first is why is it the case that we forget God? Um, some of, we all come from different backgrounds in here, but we are all prone to forget who our God is. Look at verse 11. Why do we forget God? Look what God says. He says, uh, Moses says, he says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, which I command you this day, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, blah, blah, blah. When, when, when you get wealth, then he says in verse 14, um, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. What Moses is saying there is, When you go into this new land, you are suddenly going to go from wandering poverty where every day God provided this weird manna bread stuff and you were wandering the wilderness. You're going to go and you're going to have 
so many amazing things. There's hills you can dig copper out of, flocks, herds, uh, grapevines, pomegranates, all this wealth. And then when you walk into that, you will immediately begin to forget your God. When we are experiencing material blessing um, and wealth, we tend to forget God. We forget our past. We forget how God brought us to where we are. We forget how he's provided for us every step of the way. And this is why. In affluence, when we have affluence, we kind of, um, we no longer have as strong of a felt sense of dependence on God. When you have the ability to provide for yourself, to eat, to know what you're going to do, to feel like you have opportunities in front of you, you, we often no longer feel dependent on God to give us the things that we need. Now, um, many of you, uh, many of us grew up in families and in communities where that wasn't the case for us. We didn't feel affluent. We didn't feel like things were very stable. Um, and so to that, I want to say there's clearly nothing intrinsically wrong with having good things, with having wealth, with having material, blessing, money, food, and all those things. It's God who is giving them. He's given these gifts to his people. He said, I want you to have these good things. But there's a serious danger when we, when we have affluence and when we have comfort um, because our hearts are made to worship. God created all people as worshipers, as people that don't just like things, they don't just make decisions, but actually in our hearts we go after things. Like think about when you, when you get a crush on somebody um, and, and you really want to connect with them, right? Your heart goes after that person. Ch- your heart chases that person. Maybe it, in reality you actually chase this person. Probably this is not as strong... Uh, you know, dating style, but you know, um, even, even in the passage, God says in verse 19 that our hearts go after things. It's basically, it's not a choice whether to be religious or not, but it's a choice of what we worship. Um, just think about how we worship small things. Why is it that like, I don't feel like I want to check my phone, but I feel like I must check my phone. If I am, if I am away from my phone, um, I begin to feel anxious and stressed. Um, I am compelled, like just in a, in a very visceral way, to check my phone because I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm desperate for a word from my God that tells me, you are remembered. Someone knows when you're not here. Someone wants to check in on you. You are wanted. You are important. Um, no matter who it is, when I get that little notification, I'm just thinking... I'm not alone in the world. Somebody remembers me. Of course, that's something that God says about me all the time. He never forgets me. He's always near with me, always loves me. Um, But I'm compelled to check the phone. Why do you have to make sure that your friends aren't upset with you? Um, So you act a certain way with like your Christian, like RUF friends. And then you act another way with your friends back from home or in your hall or in your major because you want, you don't just want to be liked and, and accepted by the people around you. You need to be liked and accepted, no matter what it takes. Like, you ever like been that person that you realize that there's like a group text going on to make a plan for like the weekend, and it's like you're like six best friends, but you're not on the group text. Like, in that moment, isn't it like more than just like, oh bummer, I would like to make those plans? Like. You're grieving like a death, right? Like you're grieving um, the loss um, because you forgot God, right? 
um, our hearts naturally go after things and attach to things to worship them. They say, I am going to derive my life source from being remembered by my friends. Like God's nearness, his acceptance, those are great. I sing about those at RUF. But what I really need is my friends to remember me when they make plans. Um, uh, I live in the southeast, and uh, it's culturally pretty different in, in some ways. I think that here in my cultural um, situation, what we usually worship is what's called the what Ta-Nehisi Coates, who's this guy who writes for the Atlantic, calls the dream. And um, Ta-Nehisi Coates uh, grew up in Baltimore, um, young African American boy growing up in Baltimore, and he talks about watching TV and seeing. Um, this world that to him was like another planet and he calls it the dream and and this is what he says about the dream Um, he says it's perfect houses with nice lawns it's memorial day cookouts block associations and driveways the dream is tree houses and the cub scouts the dream smells like peppermint but tastes like strawberry shortcake Um, And he would say from his perspective, he knew this dream was never going to be attainable for him. But for people around him, it was what they lived for. Comfort, ease, plenty. The sense that I am good and I am comfortable in my space. And uh, we forget God when we get in situations of affluence and we say, God, I would like to have you, Jesus. I would, I would like to have you as part of my life, as sort of my spiritual life. But what I need is the dream. Um, a, friend, a friend of mine always says that, that we're usually pursuing some mix of like uh, uh, Norman Rockwell and like Real Simple Magazine, you know. Um, Uh, But I don't know what the dream looks like for you. I don't know what it looks like for you to have comfort and plenty. But God says, beware, because you'll forget God when you begin to worship that dream. And that's 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 why we forget. We get we get comfortable. But how do we forget? Look in verse 17. There's something really, really interesting and compelling here. Moses says, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. God has taken his people, Israel, out of Egypt. He saved them these crazy plagues and like part of the Red Sea. And they're just like walking around, you know, like they have no weapons or any power or anything. And he brings them 40 years to this wilderness. And then they're going to show up to this land and literally just walk in and just occupy it pretty much. Um, and he says, beware, because you're going to walk in there. And the first thing that you're going to want to do is go, I must be pretty great. I must be pretty successful at life to be able to achieve this for myself, which sounds silly, but it's what we do all the time. It's what I do. It's like when you, if you're, some of you guys that are trying to get into grad school or you're trying to get an internship for the summer and you're working on those applications, right, which is like the most nerve-wracking, insecure, like you just feel like you're totally naked at the computer, you know, like typing out this thing and these people are going to sort of pick you over. And, and so you're like, you're praying and fasting, right? Um, you're, you're praying all the time. You're trying to remember Bible verses about like, you know, depending on God that like one time Dagan mentioned something one time and I'm trying to remember it because I'm stressed because my future depends on this internship on getting into this school. And, but then when you get the letter back and they're like, Hey, congratulations, you know, you're, you're in immediately. It's like, well, it's a good thing. I did that, uh, that nonprofit work, you know, last summer. 
It's like immediately we just want to attach what we've done to it. Like when you're talking to your friend that didn't get into grad school, you're thinking like, well, I mean, you didn't show up for the study group last semester, and I did, and that's awkward. You know, you don't say that. Um, You don't want to say that to them because, you know, the only thing worse than like getting something your friend didn't get is like rubbing it in and looking uppity about it. Um, But it's precisely when things are going well that we forget God. But it can be the other way around. Um, If you don't get in or you don't get the summer job or you don't get the internship, you're thinking about, I had a typo on my resume. And if I had just only not put that typo, then everything would have been fine for me. There's this sense that, like, we give some sort of lip service to, like, God is working all things together, but really I have to hit every stone just right. Um, we had a student, and uh, she, she was a nursing major, and she's a nurse now, and she's a great nurse. So that's the end of the story. Um, so for all the nursing majors out there, you can do it. Um, but she was calling, she was getting ready to graduate, and she was calling this hospital, trying to get a job at this hospital she really wanted to work at. And she got the woman she was calling's voicemail. And so, which is the dream, right? You know, you're just like, yes, voicemail. And um, at least I am. I'm like, I want you to hear what I have to say, but I don't want you to say anything back. I just want you to hang it. And, um, plus you feel like you can really control the narrative on the voicemail, you know? Like, you sound great. They're not going to throw you any curveballs. And so she was talking. She was like, hey, just, um, just want to get in touch with you, blah, 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 blah. And she talks for a while. And she's like, so that's great. So if you could just give me a call back whenever you get a chance, that'd be really wonderful. In Jesus' name. Amen. And she's like, bye. um, And like she spent literally weeks just like, I said in Jesus' name at the end of it. Um, And and the, the reality is like God was gracious to her and gave her this job anyway. But like we just think it's about us. Like the, the, the strength and the might of my hand have gotten me this thing. Um, or the lack of strength or might of my hand has not gotten me this thing. And y'all, one of the most beautiful things about knowing Jesus is just reveling in the fact that it's just really not about you. Um, it's not about your strength and your might. It's about Jesus's. Um, and it's maybe not always so outward um, that we do these things. He says, beware lest you say in your heart. Did you know that there's like a conversation and a narrative that's always happening in your heart, and you're, you're telling your heart what to say, what to believe. You say, I worked hard or I failed. And uh, I know it, this is, this is just for me, I, I know I'm forgetting God um, when someone just even like mildly questions my work ethic. When you're in the ministry, it just feels like you're simultaneously working all the time and that like everyone you know has a real job and like you do nothing. Like that's just the, the, the paradox of being in ministry. You're like, I'm sitting having coffee with someone and I'm exhausted, but like, you know, someone else is like ranching, you know. Um, but we live uh, right by the, we live near the Blue Ridge Parkway in Boone and uh, it's beautiful vistas, mountains and everything. And uh, last semester I dropped my daughter off at preschool and I was like, I need to work on some stuff. And I drove my car up to the parkway, and I was sitting, like, in the back of my car, looking at those beautiful, you know. And I was like, this is great. I just need some time away to get some work done. And I, I took a picture, and I sent it to my wife, who's home with our other two children, right? And she replies, tough life. And um, 
Like, I'm pretty sure that, like, what she was trying to get across was, like, that's really great that you're there. Like, that's really sweet. Like, wow, it's amazing we get to live in Boone. But, like, I wanted to reply, like, yeah, I'm working hard up here, okay? Like, don't question, like, what I'm doing up here because I'm at work right now. Um, like, immediately I was so, like, Ugh, like, you know. Um, it's like it's like when your roommate's like, hey, I'm going to go out. Um, do, do you want to come to dinner? And you're like, no, I really got to, like, work on this paper. And then, like, as soon as they leave, you, like, pull up Netflix because you really just wanted to be left alone. And uh, and then when they come back, like, as soon as you hear the key in the door, it's like, you know, minimize Netflix, pull the paper back up. Because, like, they can't just see that you were just actually here, you know, like, recreating. Like, you have to somehow prove to them that you're working hard. And, and what Moses is saying to us here is, look... I'll, our lives are relational, and our and our like the way that we are with God is always relational. It's always personal, and uh, what, what Moses is saying is, here is like, you want to receive the gift from God, and then you want to simultaneously take credit for that gift, um, but you don't really want to have anything to do with God. You don't want to follow Him, have dependence on Him, have joy in Him, and it, it's sort of just like hooking up with God. Like I, I want the gift that He can give. But I really always want it to be all about me. And that's kind of what it looks like for us to forget. But what do we need to remember? And uh, this is where I hope that this passage and the idea of faithfulness can become really good news to you and really sweet to you. Look in verse 18. Um, it says, uh, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your father's as it is to this day. God wants to do good to you. God loves to give his people the things that we need, the things that we need for life and for health uh, and for godliness. Uh, uh, the reason he brought his people on this crazy journey through the wilderness of 40 years of just like, what are we even doing here? Does, has God forgotten us? Is what he says in verse 16. He said, he did all this to you to do good to you in the end. God's intentions for you, no matter who you are, is to do good to you, to give you good things. Did you know that God is good? Um, that he loves to give his children good gifts. That he has intention to bless you and not to curse you if you trust in Jesus. Uh, and this is how we know that's true. Because God himself became a human and he entered into cursing. Um, he received cursing so that you could receive blessing. Again, that's what we were talking about last night. You know how much you can trust a person based on how much that gift costs them. Jesus was cursed so that he could give you blessing. There's this, there's this great song. Some of you guys might do it at your RUF. And it's called Thou Who Was Rich. It's, it's a good one. But it says, Thou who was rich beyond all measure, all for love's sake, becamest poor. Some of you guys know what it feels like to be poor, to know people that are struggling in poverty. Can you imagine God himself be became a human being and lived in poverty? And he said the reason he did that is because he wanted to give you an inheritance of riches in him. He became a curse so that you could be blessed. So remember that God is good, that he intends good for you. And the second thing, the last thing I want you to remember is that God is faithful um, we can be faithful because God is faithful. Um, look at verse 2. It says, You shall remember the whole way 
that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you. He says he was testing them and, and all this. God has led you this way. God has been loving and pursuing each of you every day of your life up until this point. He has been faithful to you. A lot of y'all have had tough semesters even so far. Uh, maybe the summer was tough. And you experienced disappointment. You messed up. Somebody sinned against you. You sinned against them. And when God's people were in the wilderness for 40 years, he didn't continue to bless them and to do good to them and bring them to this land because over time they gradually got better at following him. Literally the entire time they grumbled, they complained, they rebelled against God, uh, and they they, they were awful the entire time. And God kept his promises to them not because of their unfaithful, not because of their faithfulness, and not even despite their unfaithfulness, but through their unfaithfulness, he taught them day by day, moment by moment, that he was faithful. Our relationship with God is built on his faithfulness to us. Even though we are prone to wander and to forget him, he always keeps his promises. We constantly are turning away after worthless things, things that are so much less beautiful than Jesus. And God always comes to us. He's always closer to us than our own souls. And look, we believe that we need more than God to be happy. Like I said, we would like like to have Jesus, but we really need the dream, whatever the dream is for you. And um, when Jesus was was, uh, living on earth in his ministry, pretty much the first thing he did in his ministry was he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and he didn't eat. And Satan came to him and he tempted him. Um, And you can imagine if you hadn't eaten for 40 days, right? Um, I think we had this idea that like, oh, when Jesus is tempted, like he's God. So it wasn't really that big of a deal for him. There would be nothing that he could possibly want more in that moment than to eat. His body is literally crying out, screaming to him that he needs to eat. And Satan comes to him and he says, if you're the son of God, you know, you can turn these stones into bread and you could could eat that. And you know what Jesus says in response to him? He quotes Deuteronomy 8. I don't know what you say, like when someone like tries to tempt you. I don't usually, I'm not like, well, you know, Deuteronomy 8, 3 says, he quotes Deuteronomy to him and he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And really what Jesus is saying is, I would like to eat. But what I need is to be close to my father. There are things I would like to do that my body really, really, really feels like it needs. The thing I need more than anything is to be close to God and obey him. And one of the most beautiful things about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that when you trust God, when you trust in Jesus, he unites himself to you. It's so mysterious that when Jesus unites himself to us, that like the only way that people in the Bible can get their head around what's happening is they're like, it's like when two people get married and they literally like physically join together in like the most intimate of ways. That's what it looks like for Jesus to join himself to you. And what that means for you is that when you trust Jesus, everything that's true of Jesus becomes true of you. That when God sees you struggling in your unfaithfulness, he looks at you and he says, you have been faithful, well done, good and faithful servant. And that you get the privilege now of living as a faithful person before God. 
Um, it's, who, it's your true identity. And simply what, what I want us to remember is that Jesus is better than the dream, whatever the dream is for you. And our job as we respond to God's faithfulness to us is to remember who we really are. Um, and this, this, I love Moana. I'm going to be real about that. Um, despite the dozens of viewings that I've experienced in my life with three young daughters, I still love Moana. And part of what I love about what I really love about Moana is, if you don't know the story of Moana, you should watch it. Um, she's the chief's daughter on this like Pacific island, right? And the rule on the island is you have to stay on the island. You can't go out into the ocean on a ship. And uh, but she has this strange longing for the sea, right? It calls me. Um, and uh, she discovers pretty early on in the movie, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, that her people used to be like sea voyagers, right? She discovers these ships. We used to be voyagers. She's freaking out. We used to be voyagers. We used to do this. And we've become so afraid of, of being who we really are that we put these ships away because bad things can happen. And she, throughout the movie, helps herself and her people remember, y'all, this is who we are. We are voyagers. It's dangerous, but the sea chose Moana to help her people to remember who they really are. And um, I want to challenge y'all. If you're here this weekend and you're like, this stuff's kind of new to me, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, would you be um, meditative and thoughtful and open-minded enough um, to maybe have a sense of remembering that God has has promised greater things for you, has been faithful to you along the way, even when you maybe weren't even aware that he was there. And if you're here and you do know Jesus, who could you help remember um, that God has been faithful to them and has intention to do good to them? So remember, especially when things are going well, that God is good and he's faithful and help the world to remember. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, that you have always been consistent to us and consistent with us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you um, loved your people enough to endure cursing for us, um, to endure pain, and you've shown us. Lord, we just can't be faithful to you. We are prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. But Lord, take our hearts and seal them um, for you. And I pray for us wherever we are today, um, Lord, that you would help us to remember that you are faithful and good. We pray in Jesus' name.